listening to a Sharesies podcast. It's Tuesday, the 8th of February. You are listening to Recap made for you by Sharesies. And Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create financial empowerment for everyone. And here's a disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. G'day there, Alice. Kia ora, Jose. How are you? I'm so well, thank you very much for asking. And I'm, I'm particularly amped because uh, you might remember last week, there was a bit of, uh, I, had a, I put a question out there whether it was pronounced controversy or controversy. Yes, that's right. If you remember that. And actually, uh, I put I put it, rather than just Google it, I put it out there to the listeners, and the listeners have responded. Louise writes, both pronunciations are correct. The one you both used is the more modern American pronunciation, so that's uh, controversy. The other versions, uh, she goes on to say, with stress on con, is more traditionally British English. That's controversy. So probably technically the right one for New Zealand. I prefer this one as it is more fun to say. And she's quite right. That's true. Uh, And as Louise uh, goes on to say, but language is about communicating. If your listeners know what you mean, the correct, with little marks on either end, pronunciation doesn't really matter. Either is fine. Thank you very much for that, Louise. Appreciate the time it took to write that email and put us straight on that one. So controversy. What, uh, yeah, which which way are you going to go? Which way are you going to go, Alice? I feel so. I feel like <laughs> controversy is so deeply ingrained. I think I'll struggle to change any sort of pronunciation. But yes. um, you know, as Louise says, either one is right. That's right. So uh, I'm probably going to go with uh, controversy as well. But interesting fact, I learnt uh, not from Louise, but um, from a member of the team here at Shizzy's in Australia. They say contro- controversy. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. But we say controversy, so there you go, language. It's a virus. It's incredible. It is. It is. Thanks for that. And thank you, Louise, for for sitting us straight. But let's crack on. Lots of stuff uh, happening today. And I'd like to start with a whole bunch of local energy news, uh, beginning with an update uh, contact energy release today regarding its new geothermal power station. Yeah, I think I remember you talking about this last year, actually. Uh, but can you just give us a bit of a refresher? Glad to. So the Tohara power station is currently being built in Topor. It's a geothermal steam turbine energy, energy uh, sorry, turbine station, and will be the sixth power station contact owns in the region. Now, Contact Energy has described Tohara as being important to moving away New Zealand uh, to moving New Zealand away from fossil fuels. According to them, the station is expected to displace 450,000 tonnes of carbon emissions a year. It also means once it's operating, Contact's geothermal plants will be responsible for 11% of New Zealand's electricity supply. All right, so up to speed now, uh, but you said that there was an update today. Yes, there is. So a couple of numbers around the plant have changed. So when Tohara was announced, it was going to cost $678 million dollars and it would be able to push out 152 megawatts of electricity. Now, Contact Energy says now, instead, the plant will be able to generate 168 megawatts, but will cost an extra 140 million on top of that, 678. All right, so some changes in there, but why? I mean, what's different now? 
So uh, the Connect Energy CEO Mike Fug says that there was simply more uh, geothermal fluid geothermal fluid in the reservoir there than anticipated. Uh, so that means that that extra capacity has affected the cost of the build. Um, he also pointed to the pandemic as a reason for the increased cost. He said it's affected everything from commodity prices to the tightening labour market to supply chain issues. All right, and when is Tohara supposed to be completed? Uh, the second half of 2023. Okay, and so what's this other energy-related news that you've got for us today? Oh, right, yes, I almost forgot. So the Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, uh, said that one of her government's key objectives is to start a new green hydrogen industry in New Zealand. In a speech in, in Parliament today, uh, she touched on a number of topics and said that New Zealand was uniquely placed to produce green hydrogen at scale. Mm, lots of science stuff today. So what <laughs> is green hydrogen exactly? Uh, yeah, really quickly and simply, hydrogen is made by splitting water molecules into hydrogen and oxygen using an electrolyzer. Green hydrogen is made from renewable energy sources, so potentially in New Zealand's case, either from hydroelectric dams or geothermal power. Now, both Contact and Meridian Energy are looking into creating a large-scale green hydrogen plant at TY Point. However, and this is the other bit of news, Rio Tinto, the owner of TY, signaled today it is looking at keeping the TY Point aluminium smelter past its uh, previously announced 2024 closing date. Uh, Meridian Energy has responded with a statement to the NZX today, saying that it's not in discussions about a new electricity contract for the smelter. Now, I have heard that you've got some news from the dating app space, Alice. Yes, that's right. Just in time for Valentine's Day next week, Bumble, the dating app company, announced on Monday it's got a match of its own. Ooh, bet that made a bit of a buzz. <laughs> so tell me more. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> So the company is making its first ever acquisition, uh, the target being French dating app Fruits. Now, here's today's pronunciation challenge. Um, I wasn't sure being, because it's a French company, whether it's it would be pronounced Fruits, like in English, mm. or like Fruits in French. I think I prefer um, the French pronunciation. That was amazing. Yeah, I actually parle un peu de français. I Ooh, speak wow. a little bit of French. Oh, and so I was much. hoping it would be like free, you know, and it'd be yeah, quite yeah, fun. Yeah. But a bit of research on the topic today, uh, and I've concluded that other um, people are reporting uh, saying it's said fruits. So uh, right. noting that's a Z on the end there, not an S. Excellent. I'm very glad we got that cleared up. So tell me more about these two companies. Uh, so Bumble is the company behind both the Bumble and the Badoo dating apps, two of the world's largest dating and connection platforms. Uh, the company goes up against the likes of Match Group, which is behind other dating apps like Tinder and Hinge. Now, Bumble has millions of users around the world, and the company listed on the NASDAQ exchange about a year ago, uh, back in February last year. And what about Fruits? So this is a French company launched in 2017, and it takes a slightly different approach to other dating apps to help its users find matches. Basically, the app has assigned four fruits that each represent like a different intention or what you're looking for from the match or the date. Uh, so, you know, from looking for your other half to not looking for anything serious or just wanting to have a bit of fun. Uh, basically, users choose what fruit represents themselves, and it's an easy way to filter out people who aren't on the same same page as you um, for what they want out of the experience. Right. I almost want to ask what the four fruits are, but then I realize I don't actually want to know. <laughs> but how does fruits make money? 
Okay, so like most other dating apps, Fruits runs on a freemium model. So you can use the service for free, but can upgrade to additional features in, with in-app purchases. Uh, now, according to TechCrunch, Fruits has been downloaded 5.6 million times globally across the App Store and Google Play. So with Bumble already having a large global presence, why has it acquired Fruits? Good point. So like you say, Bumble does already have a global presence. And in particular, um, for the European market, um, Badoo has a bit of um, traction over there. So Fruits will add to that. Um, as Bumble said in the announcement, it's seen rapid growth in some key Western European countries like France, Belgium, Spain, the Netherlands, Switzerland, and even Canada. Uh, but what's also caught the eye of Bumble is that Fruits has particular reach with Gen Zs. Um, uh, it's a Gen Z oriented app as Bumble uh, described it. And that slightly younger group is newly entering the dating app market. Uh, now Bumble said that Fruits has a wide user base among Gen Zs, which could help the company reach high growth ta targets. So will Fruits be merged into Bumble or will it stay as its own app? Well, from the announcement, there was no indication that Fruits would be rebranded or merged into one of Bumble's other apps. Instead, Bumble said that Fruits would join its family of apps and have access to the company's resources like marketing and its machine learning programs. And how much is Bumble paying for this acquisition? Uh, we don't actually know. The terms of the deal weren't disclosed. Well, thanks very much, Alice. And uh, what else has been happening today? Okay, I'm not sure if you've been following this at all, but mm. the share price of Peloton, that being the interactive fitness company, has been on a bit of a ride lately. Um, just to excuse the pun there. <laughs> oh, no. So many buds today. Right, I'm no, on so, fire. <laughs> good work. Good work. No, I love it. I love it. So, we, yeah, we've talked about uh, this uh, this year on Recap um, about uh, – we, we've talked about Peloton and how the company has had to deal with people returning to gyms, and it's had to reset its production plans to adapt to changes in demand. So, so what do you mean by the company's share price? Okay, so if you look at Peloton's share price on a chart from like the last two years, it looks like a bit of a bumpy bell curve. So back in February 2020, that was just before the pandemic broke out, Peloton's share price was sort of around the $30 mark. Now, Peloton was one of those companies that benefited from the pandemic and everyone working home. Uh, the company's interactive fitness equipment was seen as an alternative to not being able to access a gym. And the company grew a lot during that time. In fact, its share price increased during 2020 to about $160 in December, uh, giving the company a market cap of about $50 billion. But since then, over about the past year, the share price has been declining and of late, it's been down about 80%, um, around a $25 to $30 mark, and that gives the company a market cap of around $8 billion. And then um, I'm pretty sure I saw that its share price jump today. What was all that about? Yeah, shares in Peloton increased over 20% on Monday after rumours started to circulate that the company is creating a bit of an interest as a takeover target. Mm, okay, tell me more. Okay, so just before I do, this is like absolutely full disclosure that these are rumours. This is all speculation and Peloton and none of the companies that I'm about to mention have said or confirmed anything about this. Uh, but there are rumours that Amazon or Nike could be eyeing up to take over Peloton. Boy, I was not expecting you to say that. So what's been reported? Yeah, so the Wall Street Journal reported that Peloton is drawing interest from potential suitors, including Amazon, quote, according to people familiar to the matter, unquote. Then according to the Financial Times, 
claims, other suitors, quote, potentially including Apple, unquote, could also emerge. Uh, so just again, these are only rumors at this stage, but they have been spreading like wildfire through the media and hence this excitement with Peloton and its share price over the past few days. Now, why would these companies potentially be interested in Peloton? Well, I saw this piece by Julia Horowitz, who is a journalist for CNN Business, and she pointed out quite nicely that Amazon has started to get into the health and wellness space, uh, particularly with the launch of its Halo Fitness Tracker back in 2020. And, you know, she highlighted, uh, and according to the Financial Times, Nike considered buying Peloton before it went public in 2019. So sort of suggesting that it's maybe taking another look at the company now. Then for Apple, um, Horowitz said that Apple's Fitness Plus and Apple Watch offerings, uh, you know, that could create a rationale there. So you've said that all this is uh, all speculation and none of these companies have said anything about it at all? That's right. There's been no confirmation or denial for that matter that any of these companies are in talks. Uh, and as CNBC pointed out, John Foley, who is Peloton's CEO, um, along with other Peloton insiders, they represent about 80% of Peloton's voting control. So they would have to be on board to approve any sort of takeover that goes ahead. Guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Thank you so much for that, Alice. And that means it's the end of the show. That was recap for the 8th of February. Thank you so much for listening. And it would be a help if you gave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, our email is recap at sharesies.co.nz and you can also leave a voice message. There's a link to that in the episode description. Sorry, not sorry for all the puns. Uh, Matiwa. See ya. <laughs>